Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. You're waking up on this day. 1967. You may just be one of the finishing workers on the Tucson's old studios as they completed the set for the new series High Chaparral on an Arizona Territory rancher in the 1970s. We'll hear a lot about ranching here in the month of April at Rosie on the House as our staycation goes to Douglas and the Slaughter Ranch will be a key part in our topics as we cover Douglas and the Sulphur Springs Valley. A couple interesting stories this week. A Tucson photographer got a picture of a Gila monster and a rattlesnake, what he says, cuddling together. <laughs> He's been watching too much Disney, but what, where is that from? Where did you find that? It's Tucson. In their paper. Tucson, yeah, their Daily okay, Star. Daily Star. <laughs> I, Sorry, I missed that. I, I wouldn't have suspected those two you know, like each other. <laughs> what it is, what it is. it's not yeah. warm enough for hibernation yet. It's like... 4.30 in the morning, you're waking up, and you know someone else is there, but they're not hurting you, and you're not hurting them, and you don't want to wake up yet, so you just kind of hang I'll, out. <laughs> I'll make a deal with you. You don't bite you, I won't bite me. <laughs> About another five degrees warmer, and it's going to be on. <laughs> New season of Arizona Wildlife Views is starting. It's a production that Arizona Game and Fish puts out. They always have wonderful uh, productions. Talking about bison, fly fishing, the Desert Arboretum. That's on PBS on Sundays at 4.30. That's never a time we're home or in the house. But when I saw that, I actually finally, for the first time, sat down and made myself learn how to use the DVR thing. <laughs> well, those are valuable. This is Well, this is like schoolwork, you know? I mean, this is perfect stuff for during the you week betcha. in school. Uh, be careful if you're out there hiking. You shouldn't have to be told this. But a third person in nine days has died at the Grand Canyon. There's even a book, I Death missed, at the Grand Canyon, yes. about people getting too close with their cameras, taking pictures, and... Boink. Bad way to go. <laughs> They're going to need a new print just after this week. they got three more to add. I don't know that all were uh, because they're sitting there taking pictures of themselves. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and then somebody fell down a 20-foot abandoned mine shaft out hiking, so... I Watch. saw that. She And she fell down and it got dark. She managed to text her dad and the police. But there was a rattlesnake in the pit with her. I know. It was like something out of uh, The scene from True Grit. Yeah, Glenn Campbell. <laughs> that, that was the first thing I thought was the True Grit came to life. And they said there's thousands of those pits. So just be careful when you're out and about. Well, you remember Dad fell into one. Remember he was motorcycle racing oh, in yeah. the 70s? Yeah. <laughs> Went over a hill and straight into the mine shaft on <laughs> his motorcycle. He made it out, though. Yeah, it's amazing he's <laughs> still kicking. But all of that, none of that holds a candle to what you'll find in April's edition of Arizona Highways if you start at page 18 with the Arizona Sandwich Tour. We brought the author in, Kelly Vaughn. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. What was the inspiration in this article? It is... It has changed my entire April. <laughs> so we've got the Flagstaff home show. We've got the Tucson home show. I've had meetings in Tucson this week. And I have completely rearranged my entire driving to hit these shops. Well, you're shops. welcome. <laughs> what was the inspiration? I guess it was just that I really like sandwiches. 
So a couple of years ago, I said to our editor, Robert Steve, I said, hey, what do you think about this? You know, food is such an integral part of travel, part of the road trip experience. You always want to know where you're going to stop to eat along the way. And so he said, sure, make it happen. So two, three years later, here we are. So how do you select the, the, the shops? Because there's 10 there's, there's a lot more shops than that. <laughs> there are so many excellent mom-and-pop restaurants in Arizona. Um, we selected these just by reaching out to our followers on social media. We put a call out to them, what's your favorite sandwich in the state of Arizona? Why? Um, and we had a few rules. There couldn't be any chain restaurants. I specified that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Some people <laughs> will argue with me. That's a point of contention. Um, tortas are sandwiches. You know, that sort of thing. So we had some guidelines, and we got just fantastic feedback from people, you know, from Kingman to Tucson to Flagstaff all over the place saying, you have to try this sandwich. And we have get it narrowed down from, you know, however many down to 10. Right. And then going through the article, it's not like there's any one favorite. How did you then pick the sandwich? We got egg salads. We've got uh, mufaladas. We've got, you know, there, it's not like... The best Reuben, right. best 10 Rubens or the best 10 French dips. Sure. We wanted to see some diversity there, just like we wanted geographic diversity in the article. Um, we wanted to see some diversity with the sandwiches. You know, every day when I pack my lunch for work, it's likely a turkey sandwich. <laughs> you know, so we wanted to get out of that mold a little bit. You know, Philly cheesesteaks, Rubens, um, you know, different salami sandwiches. And then, of course, that meatloaf sandwich down in Bisbee. So we just wanted to see some diversity, see some creativity from the chefs and from the restaurant owners and that sort of thing. Bisbee's going to be the hardest one. I did make it to The Goods. That was the first one I stopped at. Well, I guess it was a week ago Thursday. I was in Green Valley Great. for a meeting with our affiliate there. So I'm like, all right, two backs, 10 minutes down the road or sure. 19 kilometers or whatever it changes to down there. And ran down there, got it. I am done with eggs by about 630 in the morning. But I had to stay true to the article and order the egg curry sandwich, which was pretty good. And I think that one is so innovative because of the spice in it. You know, we've all had our grandma's egg salad or that sort of thing, and it's just sort of ho-hum, kind of boring. But you add that curry to that egg salad, and it's just a whole different ballgame. So delicious. And the challenge for me is going to be to Bisbee because I had I got two back, and I got Tucson at the sausage shop, mm -hmm. which I'm going to come back to that one Great. in a minute. But both times I'm like, all right. Maybe I can make it to Bisbee and back. And I, both times, I'm still like another 90 minutes just to get to Bisbee. It's a trek for <laughs> sure. You know, Bisbee is not really something you do as a day trip from the valley. That's for sure. You kind of want to stay overnight, which is why you have, you know, a great old trailer court in the Shady Dell. You know, Bisbee is historic. It's charming. There are so many great places to stay and eat there, including the quarry, which has that meatloaf sandwich. We have the Saba Home Show in Tucson at the convention center next weekend. So I'm thinking I'm just going to have to get up real early Thursday morning when we go set up. Definitely. Get down to Bisbee, get the sandwich, and then come back and start set up. It's worth it. It <laughs> is definitely worth it. I think Romy has the advantage because you did yours all in four days. Yes. That was a lot of sandwiches, girlfriend. That's a lot of eating. I did quite a bit of snoozing in the car in between each location. That's for sure. Um, yeah, a lot of carbs, a lot of bread. I didn't eat bread for about a month after this trip, but well worth it. And we'll get to bread. Also, that's another because of the article that follows this mm -hmm. one in the about the gentleman out of Coolidge. Yes. But before we get there, 
on all of these sandwich stops, um, what made you, what were the people at the restaurants? This, uh, this was the thing that was best about working on this story. It was meeting these small business owners, right? Because the mission of Arizona Highways, of course, is to promote travel to and across Arizona. And we do that by telling people where to eat, where to sleep, where to hike, you know, where to take a really beautiful scenic drive. And so in telling those stories, you get to meet these wonderful people who believe so much in what they're doing. You know, there was a couple who runs uh, Acme Pizzeria in Cottonwood. They moved out here from Boston. They love Arizona. They love the desert. They love what they're doing. They love the people here. Hearing those stories was my favorite part of this entire process because these people are just wonderful. They love feeding people. They love what they're doing. So that was really kind of remarkable, just meeting them along the way. And a lot of them, you know, some of them, like the goods, very small, uh, just a, a sandwich shop in and out, right. very cute uh, setting and, and nice outdoor patio. But then you get to the sausage shop. There's no place to sit. But they had uh, – when I when I got the Bugsby, which was an incredible sandwich, right. uh, their drink selection, they had a squirt. I can't tell you the last time I had a squirt. I didn't even know they still made those. Isn't that great? And they have cactus coolers, I think. You know, it's just, it's kind of like stepping back into time at the sausage shop. They're all business there. And they had boudin. Yes. I got boudin <laughs> and put it in the cooler and had it for breakfast <laughs> the next morning. You know how hard it is to find boudin in the desert? Right. But was it good boudin? Um, it, it, I mean, was, it was good but it it was made for an Arizona. There was no spice in it. So oh, after the okay. first one, it came in a package of three. I dressed it up with some Tabasco sauce. Okay. Not the not new talking? Tabasco, the family preserve. Like, right. like okay. it's actually sauce, not liquid vinegar. <laughs> and uh, just a little, little tiny sprinkle of cayenne. And then I put it on my toast and... Rice to pork, good? Uh, oh, that equal. was perfect. There you go. Just Just needed the spice. So there's a a lot of those that have a additional, uh, you know, the all. I mean, and Budan was just one of twenty different things I could have bought. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I've actually bought you know some andouille from the sausage shop and brought it home to Phoenix because their selection of meat is just incredible there. So I've actually visited the sausage shop several times you know wrote about it for the magazine years ago and have been back was that your article that's times. hanging on the that wall from 2010 yep. i took a picture of it <laughs> it's not the first time they've been in arizona highways i'm a big fan <laughs> of the sausage shop in tucson and our radio affiliate in tucson is iheart knst and they're on fort lowell and oracle okay it's a mile away and yeah. i've never seen the sausage shop before it's kind of hidden in the corner Oh. I can't tell you how many times I've driven by there and never knew it was there. And I'm not making it down there without stopping no. there. No. I'm going to have an ice chest ready. <laughs> You'd miss it if you weren't looking for it because it is just in this little strip mall. And you would never know it's there. It's I think it's next to an acupuncture place. But it's just fantastic. The funniest thing is the closest one of these sandwich shops to me is the hardest one for me to get to, which is the local press in Wickenburg. Right. Uh, because when we're in Wickenburg, it's for t-ball practice, or we're dropping Tinley off at school early in the morning. They're open ten to three. I'm at Wickenburg in the morning and in the in right. late evening. So Amanda brought home one. Uh, she made a special effort to go grab one for lunch, and they're like, "Well, you know this. We're trying to stay true to the article and eat what's in the article, but right. like." 
this one in the article is not a great leftover. So let me send you with a grinder as well. So we had a grinder and this jalapeno. Um, I, I'm not even sure what it. I don't. Was it like another sandwich? I didn't try that one. Uh, it wasn't the. Oh, it was one. the local with the chicken the, on the it. The local. Thank oh, you. Yes. Yeah. That was delicious. She knows that, her sandwiches. <laughs> that was a picture. That was the first sandwich we ate on the tour. And I was like. Hard to top it after oh, that. Oh, what am I going to do? Right? Because now I'm already full. I have two more sandwiches to eat today. Um, but that one was a really great way to kick it off. And he had said uh, that a lot of people had come in as a result of the article. So we're great that it's doing what it's supposed to. It's connecting local Arizonas. With local mom and pop, I'm not somebody you find in a chain food restaurant right. ever. And that's, and that's one reason I really love this article is it was all local mom and pop. It's feeding our mission. It's getting people out there, getting people to eat locally. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Oh, eat a sandwich. Eat a sandwich. Any kind of flavor. It doesn't matter which. Put a big piece of bread on each side. You're in for delicious rides. Eat a bite of sandwich and you're good to go. I was wondering why I heard you singing yesterday. I, I knew. I wonder why I was laughing. It was so nice of you to play my theme song. <laughs> Leave it to Gary. <laughs> Time for our true or false trivia question. Get ready to text the true or false to 411-923 and we'll select a random right winner and send you uh, state pass parks could to any of the 35 Arizona state parks and if uh, because we're covering Douglas this month for our staycation winners staying uh, there are a number of great ones down there the Tucson Courthouse, Karshner Cavers, Tubac Presidio, Patagonia Lake, San Rafael are just five of the great 35 oh, Arizona great state too. parks we need to make sure we've got like five passes for our staycation winners so they can go to all those. You betcha. All right. Douglas. The town of Douglas was originally called Red Water due to the high silt content found in the fresh water resources. Hmm. T if it's true, F if it's false, to 411-923, and we'll pick a random right winner after uh, at the end of this programming segment. Back to our Arizona Highways author, Kelly. How do you land a job eating sandwiches and getting paid for it and writing stories? I, that. You did something right in your past. That's a really good question because it's kind of ridiculous. You know, my, my boyfriend, Christian, uh, he he rolls his eyes all the time because I say my job is really just a hobby with a paycheck. Uh, working for Arizona Highways is the best thing that ever happened to me. I get to travel all across the state. I get to meet really wonderful people, um, explore really beautiful places and get to write about it so I pinch myself every day but yes I did get really lucky early on in my career and just wrote a lot about anything you know I was really open to writing about history science the environment people and somehow it worked we've covered mainly uh, Wickenburg South but right. you also have uh, Prescott Cottonwood Camp Verde and Flagstaff on this, and I sent our promotions team is in Flagstaff this weekend at the Home Co. Home Show in Flagstaff. I'm like, all right, you got to take care of this for me. You got to hit the meats shop in Flagstaff, yes. which, judging by the picture, looks like the best, just because I'm a huge Mufalata fan. You know, I lived in New Orleans for a time when I was a girl, and so I grew up eating Mufalatas, and at Proper Meat and Provisions, it's right on Route 66 in Flagstaff, that was the first time I was like, oh, 
this tastes right. This tastes <laughs> like it should. Um, that sandwich came at the end of a very long day, and I just thought, there's no way. I can't eat one more sandwich. <laughs> but then they put that in front of me, and I said, okay, I, I can make it happen. It was incredible. It's really an interesting restaurant because it inhabits um, this really cool old space that used to belong to the Grand Canyon Cafe, which was owned by this wonderful uh, Asian family, and they would mix American and Asian cuisine there in that restaurant. Um, there was a reincarnation of the Grand Canyon Cafe several years ago, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it didn't make it. But Proper moved into that place, and they've really stayed true to like the historical awesomeness of that building. So it's really a great place to visit when you're in Flagstaff. Lance sent me a picture of it last night, and he's like, I'm coming back up here just for this sandwich. It's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. And again, they're, they're a deli, too. So they sell wonderful cuts of meat. They have sausages, everything else, you know, some other, you know, more culinarily exploratory things that you can buy Amanda and I love pickles and every single one of these delis that have pickles I bring some home she brought some home from the local press out of Wickenburg yesterday I got some from the the sausage shop great yes those horseradish pickles at the local press in Wickenburg are just craveable they are I highlighted those in my in my copy here I'm gonna go find those they're wonderful and they have that perfect pickle crisp you know you can just hear that bite now, I missed something in conversation earlier because you guys were talking about the front cover. Yeah. Um, Kelly let me know that they'd had some complaints about it, and I looked and looked at it and couldn't figure it out. But, <laughs> you know, pe- people think that Arizona Highways is just a photography magazine. And I understand. We have an incredible photographic legacy. People are used to seeing these sweeping landscapes on the cover and in our pages. So when you put something like a sandwich on the cover, that oh, throws a lot of our loyal readers it off. It wasn't the sunset or exactly. a <laughs> So we had very, really a small amount of complaints. Most people are really excited because they'll use the magazine to plan their next road trip. But well, there were a few people that just weren't having it. Even had one sent back. Yes. We had a very (laughs) nice letter from a reader. It was incredibly gracious, and she explained that she reads Arizona Highways because of the beautiful photography. It's a chance for her to explore from her sofa, you know, from her kitchen table as she's drinking her coffee. So she sent this one back to us. Did she know (laughs) there's like 60 pages inside the book that's got... (laughs) Too many sandwiches, I guess. But she, at least she was very nice about it. Arizona Highways author Kelly Vaughn, thank you for your wonderful article in April's Arizona Highways, Arizona Sandwich Tour, all local, all Arizona. Well, we didn't even get started with that interview and it's over. There was an addition, you know, we were going to do honorable mentions. Duck and Decanter didn't make it on there. And she's like, I know we stop there all the time for uh, staff events, but we wanted it to be, you know, on the road. So we had to get people out to travel. Uh, There's Crocs that's at Scottsdale and uh, Thunderbird. And that one's always been a lot of fun to me because you go in there and there's a flag next to the country of the sandwich's origin. So you can go in there and decide what part of the world do I want to eat from today. I, I got to give you a new one I really love. It's called Sugar Jam. It's in Scottsdale by the airport. And it's um, just all kinds of great sandwiches and baked goods. But they have, Romy, a pulled pork sandwich that just about 
equals Satchmo's. Darn good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right there by the office, not too far. Oh, yeah, and you've got Guido's. That's a great mm-hmm. Chicago deli as well uh, and meat shop. Uh, Fortuno's Italian Deli in Tucson, the Fourth Avenue Deli in Tucson. There was that that would have been a hard one to write to keep it uh, just to ten. But then that article was followed by this article about these bread crafters on the main street of Coolidge, Arizona, called Mediterranean Bakehouse. I mean, you look at this. Oh, that's an art. That's, that's all you want to eat. Yeah. And I would love to have them on there into the ancient grains and stuff, which I've always had an interest in. So they'd be a fun interview, too. I got a bread crafter's book just to start learning it, and I haven't started yet because I haven't built my bread oven yet. And I'm, but the arena lights and irrigation system comes first. <laughs> got to have priorities. No, we're not foodies around here. <laughs> Romy's so excited about his sandwiches, we have to pull them away to Douglas this morning. Well, uh, let's see if we can. We had a little scratch on the line. Let's see if we can get Cindy on the line. Are you with us this morning? Yes, indeed I am. Here she is. Thanks for taking a few minutes out. Our staycation travels to Douglas this week, and Lance was doing some research and found the Douglas Historian. And Yep, that's me. Well, you cannot research Doug, um, Douglas history without finding Cindy Hyostick. How are you this morning? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. I think you have Douglas in your blood. Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Doug- I grew up here. Um, my dad and my grandfather both worked here, so... Yeah, deep roots. So it's a big job because it's a, it's a really rich history. I was oh, just there's amazed. lots of interesting people, lots of interesting things that happened here. It's so nice that you're going to be sending your staycation people down here because they're going to probably be surprised at the depth of the history here and things to do and things to see. I think so too. Rosie's and my goal every year is to try to do every staycation, and this is one I'd really like to do. Um, I just wanted to give a little shout-out. Cindy, you have a, a chronicle you put out, the Borderland Chronicles, and it's a history right. magazine. It's a little quarterly history magazine about the Douglas Auto-Priapta area and the borderlands here. Well, um, if we, if I we... haven't run out of stories. I've been doing it, what, 10 years now? Haven't run out of stories yet. Oh, I, I want to get into some of those stories, but I just want to let the listeners know if they if they – if they get their interest peaked, they have a place to go and really get some, some great yeah. follow-up. So, I mean, I think uh, everybody kind of probably knows, you know, the history down there goes back very far to the 1500s. You have the Spanish explorers come up, Cabeza de Vaca being one of the probably m- most well-known. And then, you know, just the, how that history evolved. Why don't you paint a little picture for people what has evolved down there? Well, you started with Spanish explorers, so let's go with that. Um Douglas in this particular area took a while to get on everybody's map, particularly because it was part of the Apache territory, and coming here could be a dangerous thing. Um, Douglas itself didn't really evolve and come into being until the 1900s. Um, The town itself started growing in 1901, and it quickly became uh, a railroad center and the site of two copper smelters owned by two different companies. And then all that, of course, attracted uh, business uh, going across the border, back and forth in agriculture. So Douglas was a busy place in its real early days. When you when we talked about just thinking about how busy it must have been, you talked about, um, well, for one thing, there was the copper mines. Tell us how uh, Dr. Douglas played a founding role in the, in the town. Okay, well, Dr. Douglas was indeed that. He was actually a doctor. 
His name was James Douglas, and he was Canadian-born, so it was his son who had the same name. Uh, Dr. Douglas, however, made all his money uh, by inventing an electrolytic copper process, and that brought him to the attention of a, at the time, small company called Phelps Dodge. And they wanted Dr. Douglas to come out here and do some scouting for him. They were interested in buying some mining properties. And so he came out here and poked around and said, yeah, I think you ought to get into Bisbee. I think you ought to get into Morency. So the short story is the company made him and he made the company. And uh, his son became involved with Phelps Dodge. And... um, in 1909, built the house where I'm sitting and talking to you. It's the Douglas House, and it's now the uh, Douglas Williams Museum, which is where I do a lot of volunteer work. It's a fun little place to come. I hope your staycation people come here and see it on a Saturday afternoon. I hope so, too. And so you have um, Dr. Douglas, come, that family, coming down from Canada. And then where does the Williams Park come in? Okay, the Williams part involves some family, a family named Ben Williams, Ben F. Williams. The senior man was Sonoran-born. Uh, he was born in a, on a little ranch down in Mexico, probably about, oh, no, hour or so from here. But he had what I call an active mind. And he learned the cattle business, but he also invented things. And one of those inventions made him enough money that he was able to buy this house and moved in here with his wife and some kids. Uh, Ben Sr. became uh, Douglas Mayor, and his son, Ben Jr., also was a Douglas Mayor. Douglas success story. Douglas Williams. And at one time, Douglas was the fourth largest town in Arizona. Was that during this era? Yeah, indeed. And and some some of this was due in good part to the copper smelters, because at one point uh, Phelps Dodge's Copper Queen smelter was the second largest smelter in the world. By the time of World War I, when both smelters were running, and Douglas, that the civilian population because of that was mm, about 17,000 people. And Douglas was also the site of a World War I army camp called Camp Harry J. Jones, and it was a cavalry camp, a brigade headquarters. So think mm, 10, 12,000 men and twice as many horses and mules. That's a lot. Boy, the logistics of that is kind of yeah. mind-boggling. And, yeah. so- and, and, of course, that was helped because we had good railroad service. Douglas is the only town in Arizona that had a railroad going out in all four directions. And, of course, stuff came in, uh, especially in that time, to help supply that army camp. And and then, so moving a little forward then, Douglas eventually becomes a real aviation hub. Yes, and because Douglas was such a vital place, it had so much going on and it attracted some people like Ben Williams with active minds. And in the uh, Uh, In the 20s, they formed Arizona's first chapter of what was the National Aeronautic Association. And this was basically people who were enamored of aviation. And they put together a municipal airport, and it became, within a few years, one of the top ten airports in the country. And this was because it had 
big-time features. It had lights, which is, <laughs> it was the only lighted airport between uh, Texas and L.A., California. And um, it was also well done. It was a well-run airport, and it attracted a number of really interesting things. Uh, Will Rogers threw, flew through here several times. Um, it was part of a circuit of air races. So in 1929, what's commonly known as the Powder Puff Derby was here, which was an air race for women. So we had... uh, Must have had Amelia Earhart then. Amelia Earhart, Poncho Barnes, Louise Faden, all the big-time names in female aviation were here for this air race and uh, got formally feted. They were uh, wined and dined. You, it was the first airport between Texas and California, Romy. Can you imagine pl- flying a little plane over that vast amount of desert? And oh, yeah. You have to be it really was, good at your aviation it was skills. seat of your pants flying, really. Seat of your pants flying. Um, but Douglas, again, was well-connected. At one point, uh, the airport manager was a fellow named Smith. And Mr. Smith later became one of the... Uh, folks that put together uh, the McDonnell Douglas Corporation, which invented, not invented, developed is the right word, the DC-3. And the DC-3's inaugural flight, its test flight, went through Douglas, Arizona, because of Mr. Smith's connections here and the quality of the airport. Wow. And so with, if, when people come to visit you, they can find all these stories at the museum that you are now, the Douglas House Museum. Right, and, right. There's also, a, since we were talking aviation, mm-hmm. there's also a small aviation museum here um, that has those some of the stories that I've just told you and some other ones. It also has within it a Trojan airplane. Now, Douglas, because of this aviation heritage, kept it going way past World War II. And after the war, a gentleman named Harold Emmy invented a small plane that he called the Trojan. And it was kind of like a Piper Cub, but it was designed to be uh, an everyman's plane. And it was built here. He moved the factory from California to here. And because the Korean War started up and he went back in the Army, uh, only about 100 of the planes were made. Um, they're well-known within the industry, let's put it that way. Anyway, there's one on display in that museum that's out by the municipal airport. And you all have some beautiful older buildings that are being enhanced, too. If you walk in downtown Rome, you see things are pretty plain, but if you go inside, they're very ornate. We'll talk, yeah. And we'll talk so, in a couple of weeks about the Gadsden. But also right. the, the, I was just going to mention well, that because uh, your staycation people are going to be staying in the Gadsden. And the Gadsden is one of those buildings that uh, is so typical Douglas. From the outside, it just looks like a building, you know, plain and ornery. And then you go inside and it'll knock your socks off because it's got stained glass windows, this wide sweeping staircase up to a mezzanine. It's got pillars topped with gold leaf. It's something else again. Cindy, Uh, thank you so much for letting us share Douglas with our Arizona homeowners and listeners. We have just a 
a, a great view now of what it looks like down there. Well, and we'll be covering Douglas all month long here in our Arizona Staycation Hour. Rosie on the house. The answer to the trivia question, I missed this going out because I was too busy with sandwiches, but <laughs> it's false. Douglas was originally called Blackwater, not Redwater. It was thought to be due to the terrible water quality the early set settlers were faced with, but the town south of Douglas in Mexico kept the name. And then uh, one of the interesting things that really surprised me, a gentleman by the name of Tom Rining, who was one of Teddy's Rough Riders, after being stationed in Douglas, penned, I've been in many rough town in my day, from Deadwood to Tombstone, but I've never met up with a harder formation than in Douglas. Douglas, Arizona sits within the Sulphur Springs Valley. It's also home to the Whitewater Dam Wildlife Area. Here, 35,000 sandhill cranes migrate to every winter. There are three different types, uh, species that migrate there, the greater, the lesser, and the Canadian sandhill cranes. Some travel uh, Sulphur Springs from as far away as Siberia. What? And I've got a message into Arizona Game and Fish. They're doing a little research for me because... Think about where Siberia is and how does migration go, north and south. So these have to go over the North Pole, right? They're not flying in circumference around the uh, lateral. <laughs> they're, you know, lo- they're going longitude. And I want to know, are there any other birds that go over the North Pole in their migration pattern? So we're going to have a, a wildlife specialist from Arizona Game and Fish on this month to talk a little bit more about that. We've missed it uh, seeing them this year. They're... The flight out usually starts about March, but that wasn't one of the things that we were trying to pair Douglas and April together for. You can tell the difference between a sandhill crane versus a heron or egret because cranes fly with their necks straight, whereas herons and egrets have their necks folded back. I learn something new every week. You know, I never noticed that, and I've seen blue herons flying and Never really looked at their necks straight or crooked. <laughs> I say, hey, it's a blue heron. Never see them ag- the same again. Yeah. So now if you're out driving this week and you see a big old bird with an eight neck straight, you know, that's a crane, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Let's get up to Flagstaff where our promotion team is on site at the Home Co. Hardware Show for the Home Co. Home Show. But before we get there, Lance, I'm pretty awful jealous about that mufalada sandwich you got last night. Me too. Proper meats. Oh, yeah, it was something. <laughs> it was... One of the better sandwiches I've had. Had you ever had a mufalada before? I have not, so I went into it not exactly uh, sure what to expect. But uh, that's a pretty yeah, incredible. I definitely was not let down. <laughs> now you've got a lot to do here to fill your role at Rosie on the House. You still have to get to Cottonwood and Camp Verde and Prescott on your way home. All right, and that's the last <laughs> four to round out our t- our ten sandwich shops from the the tour. We sure give our crew the easy jobs, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a tough living. <laughs> well, tell us about uh, the home show today in Flagstaff. Yes, yeah, so we're up here in Flagstaff for the fifth annual Home Co. Community Home Improvement Show. Uh, it's going to run from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're wondering where that is, uh, the easiest way to describe it is just get right on the I-40 and just take Butler Avenue, the exit for that, and it's about a mile right off that. You can't miss it. It's going to have, we got free parking, free admission, uh, free food, free hot dogs, free pizza, free drinks, 
there's going to be uh, belt sander racing, which <laughs> I'm actually really, it looks like a standard drag race. So I'm, I'm going to make a note to check that out. <laughs> they got uh, we also have NAU logging sports. That's going to run. I think that starts at about 11 and uh, raffle prizes as well. And of course you can't forget the uh, free beer garden. That's going to be from noon to 2 PM. And I'm assuming that's all going to be local microbreweries. You have the lumber yard, you have Beaver street brewery, you have, uh, did I already say the lumber yard? I've got, I, I collect growlers from local <laughs> breweries and I'm, I'm trying to picture my wall where I've got, I think there's four of them I have from Flagstaff. And how many vendors, Lance? Since you're uh, having so much fun. Oh, that's great. Wow. And then uh, we actually have our certified partners, JKC and Agassiz Landscaping as well up here. Woo-hoo. And of course, if you, if you haven't got your uh, 2019 calendar, we'll have those as well. Now the 2019 calendar and other promotional giveaways that you can find if you find the Rosie on the House Sanderson Ford Transit uh, on site with our promotion team as always. Just look for the big wrapped transit. This is Rosie on the House across the top. It's got all of our station listings on it. Um, and you can uh, go down there. Lance is on site and you are in Jen's with you as well. Yep. It's going to be uh, me and Jen today. Well, thanks for being there in Flagstaff for our Arizona listeners. Just one more way we try and connect with our listening audience to be every Arizona homeowner's best friend. That opens up here in an hour. Uh, I don't know what time proper meats opens up, but if I, I would go get a mufalada before I went to the home show. All this talk about food. You know what? I, I got to thinking, you know, Flagstaff during the wintertime, it's skiing. But I'm telling you, you can go there anytime. There are a ton of great restaurants in Flag. Just go up there to eat for the weekend. Oh, Bun Huggers? Uh, oh, yeah. You need a cheeseburger? Oh, oh I never passed uh, Bun Huggers. Macy's uh, Coffee Shop for a little... Uh, I knew this was going to be hard talking about sandwiches. I, I thought, <laughs> you know what? I've got to get up and I'm going to make an Andouille egg sandwich for everybody and the broadcast. Because if we're talking about this meats uh, shop sandwich... Starting off the broadcast, we're going to be hungry the whole time. Well, Rovi Dairy's in next, and they brought us some cheese. All right. There we'll you go. You guys. And the food continues, folks. As we go into our outdoor living hour, it's the first Saturday of the month, so it is our farm fresh topic, and we are talking cheese. Arizona makes a lot of cheese, believe it or not. Even recruited some guys from Wisconsin down. Uh, there's an official title, and we'll get to it because I don't want to bush butcher it. And, uh, but they have uh, a... And a little different twist on it. So the Wisconsin cheese guys at the Dairyman Council is what you would expect. Your cow dairy. Well, Paul makes a different type of cheese from a different type of milk. So we'll be excited to learn about that here at Rosie on the House. The Rovies have been farming in Arizona for over 100 years. Wow. Looking forward to having them on the air with us.